Are we recording? Of course we yes. are. We've never made that mistake before. Nope, just the first time. Maybe the second time. Still. <laughs> you'll never know because it always works. Because if it didn't work, you wouldn't know. It would only be us. But Stieg, welcome back. It is Monday, February 6th, the first Monday in February. And we are here on what should be a regularly scheduled program from here on out, for the most part. God, I hope so. Because <laughs> there, there are times that I, uh, I'm like, are we going to do it on Sunday? Are we going to do it on Thursday? Are we going to do it on Saturday? No, we'd never do mm, it on a Saturday. Friday and Saturday is where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'd even I just, squeeze a Thursday, but yeah, that 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 was always tough when we did it there. Um, so when we came up with this plan, we, we, you know, during the winter break, we all kind of had ideas of what we were going to do next. Um, and I, we, we kind of had a meeting. We came up with this plan. I said, this is going to be great. We're going to do the roundup on Mondays because we normally would write it on Sunday afternoon and release it on Monday when we did it as a written forum. And it's going to be great. And then literally the next Monday was MLK and a Bucks playoff game. So we said, we're not going to do it that week. And then the preceding next two Mondays, I couldn't be there because I have a crazy schedule and I pick up shows that work in the evenings. So, you know, the best laid plans. But here we are and we're back. And we're going to be doing this consistently here on Monday nights at nine o'clock until Steve and I go to Europe, not together, but you know, no, we're going to go to Europe together. That's the plan. We're going to both go. We're going to, we're going to have a beautiful time. Yeah. I I'm looking through. Yeah. It should always be on Mondays. I literally have nothing else going on on Mondays, except for the fact that like I go to the gym on Mondays. I go to the gym every day. So like it's no different. Oh, I'm getting swole. Um, Watch Watch out ladies. I went for a run today. And let me tell oh, you something about that. Shit sucks, but I felt better. It's good. So much better. Felt it's so just better. I'm, you too could be a USF long distance runner. <laughs> I, I took it upon myself because we kept on shitting on long distance running, like cross country and like the mile run, which I'm going to lead into that here in a little bit. And I was like, how difficult is it to run a mile fast? And me without like, prepping doing any i mean i'll do like weights and like you know i'm 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 an avid pickleball player but like i don't really do cardio i was like how hard can it be to run a mile and then i did it in like eight minutes and i was like god this shit sucks (laughs) i see why it sucks um and an eight minute mile uh, is nothing to scoff at that is not easy in itself especially for someone who doesn't really train in this Right. I mean, I would not be able to sustain that eight minute mile. I'll tell you that much. If it was like a 5k or something like that, you know, I think that that, that first two K's was going to be, uh, you know, speed demon. And then I was going to walk the rest of it. <laughs> so as someone who does run, okay, uh, uh, to do cardio, mostly for my, uh, exercise, I do enjoy outside running. Uh, my brother ran cross country. I never did. Uh, but that's what always got me into it. I, I consistently do about four miles. I always make sure I do a 5K. But every time I see people do half my marathons and full marathons, it's something I want to do. But I cannot imagine running that much in the same, in one no. shot, especially in Florida. Just doesn't. No, it's still it felt like the summer outside today. Just not <laughs> not easy. I think my max that I would get at is probably like a 10K like that. that mm-hmm. I don't want to. I'm not going to set a goal for myself. I should for this show. I should. But um 10k is probably where i'm gonna like max out at because i think after that i would hit the wall for like a really long time and i don't think i would get to a half i think i think my body would just not let me do that so mm-hmm. we'll see how long it takes for me to consistently run a 10k and then uh we'll live stream it and see what happens 
I like that. Sometime before the end of the year, I don't know when, if it's going to be soon or the summer or later, Steeg and Vito are going to run a 10K somewhere or maybe just by ourselves. Let's let's do the Disney 10K for food and wine and then just get yeah. shit-faced oh, after. See, that's a good idea. Just not the turkey trot. I'm not a, I not, not doing no. turkey trot. I can't. No, we will not. No, we'll just have Molly and Paige sleep in while we run for, I don't even know how long a traditional 10K would last. Uh, and then we'll... Uh, We'll go from there. I'm gonna have to run shirtless because I've been terrified ever since of like the nipple chafe. Because <laughs> I've seen that is the a people real that thing, like yeah. I see the people that like bleed through their shirts and everything like that. So uh, once I once I get past like once I start getting nipple chafe when I'm doing this training, that's when I'm gonna start running shirtless because I yep. know what's I know what'll happen after. God, we went off the rails really deep there. We didn't even talk about. I didn't even talk about your week. I thought we were going to be talking about musicals. That's even better. This is great. No, we'll 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 lead in musicals elsewhere. We'll we'll have a musical discussion somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how did USF Athletics do this week, Sieg? They did well. Just put some tape. Yeah, I'm going to put duct tape on my nipples. I'm going to do. That. I always think about that "How I Met Your Mother" episode with um, Marshall. Just with that, you know it. Never mind. <laughs> you either know it or you don't. <laughs> I was about to say you lost me. Um, I, I let's see. They won USF uh, Olympic sports won more than they lost. So and that that's great. Men's basketball. Yes. So I think I think we can consider this week a success. Um, we'll start with a difficult one. Uh, the men's basketball, the USF men's basketball, defeated East Carolina seventy-one to sixty-three. Swept them. That is only the third sweep in, uh, in in Brian Gregory's tenure here at the University of South Florida. That is his only third conference sweep that he has had. Um, no comment. Uh, but they uh, they had a steady, handy lead there for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching the game, and slowly but surely, the announcers kind of mentioned. I think it was like somewhere in like the at like the twelve minute mark at the second half. They were like, oh, if ECU can string together a few possessions here, they might, you know, make this into an interesting game. And I was like, yeah, right. Like ECU's like not a great scoring team. Like they they were not scoring consistently throughout this entire season. And uh, guess what? Uh, they consistently not so fast, scored. My friends. <laughs> they consistently scored for about six minutes there. Um, so they actually outscored USF in the second half, 33 to 27. USF uh, was leading at halftime 44 to 30. So a 14 point lead was, was erased pretty handily. Actually, I think it was like a leading by at least 20 at one point. Um, Up by two touchdowns at the half is still too much time for Holt Nailers. Right. God, if, if, if only he played basketball too, we would just never hear the end of it. Um, <laughs> but overall, I mean, uh, I hate to say it at this point and I, I hate to say it at this point in Brangarger's juncture, but a win is a win and we should be thankful for it. Uh, because that could have very easily been a, a disastrous, disastrous ending. And I'm, I'm actually looking up real quick what the largest lead for USF was. I think it was quite a bit. Um, yeah, largest lead was 23. So uh, for them to at least win this game, you know, haphazardly only winning by, you know, eight, not great when you're leading by that many points. But hey, uh, a win is a win at the end of the day. Uh, moves them inching ever so closely back to over 500 ever so precariously inching towards maybe being 500 in conference. Um, That's to be seen, to be determined. They have one, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight games left. They are sitting at three and seven. So if my math is correct, if they lose two more games, they will not be able to get over 500 um, for the sixth straight season under Brian Gregory. Steeg, do they get to play ECU again? God, I wish. I wish we could just play ECU every week. Um, Unfortunately, I don't like those odds. But, I mean, yeah. they played a really, really great first half. And I think Brian Gregory, Gregory said they played a really good 30 minutes. And just uh, when you can build a good lead, you can weather that storm. And at least they didn't give it up. But still, at the end of that game, and I didn't actually get to watch this because I was working. But I kept seeing the score being as, as, as big as it was. And people on Twitter were complaining. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then I realized what ended up happening was the storm back. Um, luckily, um, ECU wasn't able to close, but, uh, looking at these stats, what in the first half USF shot 55% from the floor and 61% from beyond the arc, which is incredible. And the second half is 40% and then 20%. So when the three point shooting is on fire, the first half, and it cools down significantly, they didn't get any uptick in inside the paint. So that ends up happening. But Steve, tell me about the free throw percentage. I'm trying to read. Oh, shit. Uh, I can't read what your notes were. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, so <laughs> they uh, shot uh, 75% from the charity stripe, which now I see it. I mean, that's awesome, right? If they shot 75% from the free throw line and most of their losses, they might win them. Right. So. It's 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 a tale of a tale as old as time with, uh, with this with these teams that have been put forth uh, that we get to be blessed to watch. That if they shoot their free throws, they historically win. <laughs> it's like it's the easiest way, and it's unfortunate, but you know they they've and, and year six you don't know what they're doing in practice. None of us know how it's how it's going or anything like that. But the, the consistent struggles from the charity stripe, the freest thing that you could ask for is just it's it's an anomaly. It's it's truthfully one of the weirdest thing because this is not this is transcending teams this is transcending players this is transcending you know whatever rims they decide to use i don't know what goes on i don't know what happens but it, they're cursed in, in some aspect but um the only really really negative part about this game because again positive uh takes only they won the game and were blessed for it uh russ chewa uh nearly single-handedly lost this game at the end um so the the real hotly contested point was when uh Rush Chaok actually got ejected at the end for throwing an elbow. And uh very quickly, I think at that point USF was only leading by six. Um and very quickly that could have been very bad because it was going to be four free throws and I think they missed two of them. Um and then when USF went down and I think um hit a three to like extend the lead a little bit more. And then ECU just could not at that point I think that's when USF went up Yes. So USF, it was 68 63, and then USF hit that three, and then it was 71 63. And then the game basically ended right after that. My my app literally said that there was 21 seconds left, and then it just ended. Um, but Rushewa ended with a double double at least. Uh, so 10 points, 11 rebounds, one flying elbow. Uh, pretty solid night, uh, if That's I do say so myself. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Jameer Chaplin, our, our, our love. I think we all affectionately love Jameer Chaplin. He's just a, a scrappy, loving, loving, lovingly done individual. Uh, came uh, came up with seventeen points. So, in all, uh, if they play like they do in the first half, 
they're really good. And then uh, just don't do what you did in the second half going forward and just play like you did in the first half all game. If you would, where's Andy Taylor six? If you would simply play like you played in the first half for all of your halves, you would win a lot of games. And if they hit all their free throws, yep. if they hit all their shots, Tyler Harris with a cool 21 points. Again, I think he's the best shooter I've seen at USF in a very long time, at least since I've been like watching the games. He's just so good when he's on. But I, I hate that they got to win. That's all that matters. Three guys in, in double figures, and they played really, really well in the first half. I come to suspect that this team won't be able to be that great for a full game. Well, except against the UCF, apparently. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, they got to win. So they're 10 and 13 overall, three and seven in, in the conference. And their next game, uh, they try to avenge that loss to Memphis at home on Wednesday. So two days at 7 p.m. So SoFlo Rodeo packed the packed the the foam dome because we need to get that win. And uh uh Penny Hardaway frustrated is very funny to see. Yes. Um tickets for the uh the game are more than they should be. Um, so if you have not gotten your ticket, try to get it uh, from a friend or someone that's going to be selling it last second. It's like, and this is going to sound like the biggest faux pas ever. They're like tickets are like 25 bucks and like the 200 section. Um, those are normally like $5 tickets. Like you can normally like walk up and they'll just hand them to you. Um, Penny Hardaway typically draws a crowd here in Tampa. wonder why. Um, so it's, it's, it's no question there. And uh, Memphis it's all y'all double- magic fans that are out there. Specifically, um, someone in the chat who I know is a Magic fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, so, um, Memphis is on a little bit of a skid right now, so we'll see if uh, you know they have their get right game. I wonder if they're going to have their get right game against USF. That's never happened before. Never. Um, they got swept by Tulane, who's good at basketball. <laughs> so riddle me that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, women's basketball. So um, the shooty hoops. Went undefeated this week. Uh, women's basketball beat ECU uh, last. Um, it was last Tuesday. It was like the day. Mm, yeah, like uh, one of the days after we ended up streaming. Uh, and they won at home 72-48. So ECU did not have a good time in Tampa. Uh, they had a huge fourth quarter, 24-12 advantage to pull away. It was never that close. Uh, Sammy Puises, 23 points, 7 of 14 from three-point range. When she's on, she's on 50%. That's just... Drain and triples is just how you can pull away easily. Carla Brito, we mentioned freshman, uh, was getting valuable minutes, playing really well defensively, finally had an offensive outbreak, 20 points on 8 of 13 field goals. So she finally is getting some um, some action. Uh, and then Dulcie, again, walking double-double, 13 points, 14 rebounds. They shot 47% from the field and nearly 40% from beyond the arc. That's just textbook USF, uh, Jose, what Jose wants to play with this team. When you play like that, you're going to win like that. And when they're on, again, they're, they're, they're fun to watch. They look like they're having fun out there during that game. And then even though they're, they're high flying out there, um, still in the paint, they out-rebounded ECU 41 to 34. Again, uh, Dulcie had, yeah, 14 rebounds. It's just, it's hard to beat a team, uh, beat that team when they're on. And USF is undefeated at home. That is just a crazy statistic that they're this deep in the season. They're 22 and four and 11 and 0, um, and undefeated at home. So that's just how important it's been, uh, being at home. Right. And I, uh, I it, it's, it's, it's an, and what am I saying? It's it's great when you are undefeated at home, and it's really good when you play a really tough team at home. I'm trying to foreshadow a little bit here. 
Um, yes. you know, ECU was no slouch this year. They, uh, yeah, they had their moments of, of glory and greatness. They have one of the best, uh, freshmen in the league right now. Um, I think she's won I, nearly all of the freshmen of the week honors. Um, and she's been just absolutely on a tear for ECU. She's single-handedly kind of turning around that team a little bit. So it's, uh, you know, to play a really tough team at home, I think is a really big advantage for USF. Um, and it's really nice to be undefeated at home. It is. So with that being said, this late in the year, it is very hard to play any team in conference on the road. Uh, so with that win against ECU, uh, Jose Fernandez tied Gino Arema for the most wins in, a, uh, in AAC history. And then win number 119 came in Dallas at SMU 65-63 in a game where they were trailing for most of the contest. SMU was very good this game. They uh, shot, uh, went out to an 18-8 advantage in the first. Strong second quarter by USF uh, 24-14. And then SMU dominated in the third quarter normally usf would come uh, would come out in third quarter strong get a big lead and then be able to, to coast to victory but this time smu uh won the third quarter 21 to 16 and um there were some people who were starting to get a little worried about if this was the clunker and the big reason is they only shot 18 percent from three-point land and there was no lack of trying so they changed it up. They shot 42% overall. And the big one is they shot 100% from the free throw line. All of their free throws they made, and they needed every single one of them. So uh, what ended up happening is they kept giving it uh, to, to Dulce, scored 21 points, had eight rebounds, so didn't get that double-double. But a lot of um, uh, she was getting the ball a lot in the paint and was winning those those contests a lot. Uh, USF did have a lot of offensive rebounds, too, and second-chance points would helped a lot, especially ice the game at the end. Um, Elena Chaneke, uh, 15 points and Sammy had 14 points on four of 10 shooting and two, five from three. Uh, she was the best beyond the, behind the arc by far, but again, only shooting 18%. You, if I showed you those stats, you would think they would lo- lose. And in years past, they definitely would. Uh, but USF won and it was a scrappy victory and they came out of Dallas with the victory. And even the announcers were surprised. Like, well, not surprised that, th- that they could come back, but we're able to handle it because SMU played a near flawless game. Right. A lot of the SMU offensive firepower came from Jasmine Smith. Um, yes. She had, I think, like 26 points, I want to say. Yeah, she had, she had 26 she, points, she, yeah. uh, 11 for 21 from the field, and 4 of 10, 3-point. But she missed both of her free throw attempts, yes. which would have tied the game. Yes, which was the amazing part. And at the end there, um, it, the, the the last 10 seconds of the game was just maddening. Um, essentially, uh, SMU had the ball with chance to tie slash win uh, with about 15 seconds left. Took, uh, I guess they went for the tie and uh, tried to go for a jumper. Ariel Wilson came down with a rebound, uh, jump ball, and, and USF for tape possession and everything like that. And immediately turned it back over to SMU uh, with like seven seconds left. So with seven seconds left, um, SMU went for a, a little, a little cheeky little Jasmine Smith gets the, uh, or um, Jasmine Smith is inbounding it. Jasmine Smith takes a uh, passes it to her teammate who just throws it right back to her. And, you know, she shoots it from round three. And uh, on the first glance on the shot of how they had it showing, I thought Ariel Wilson just body checked her because mm-hmm. of the way that Jasmine Smith uh, kind of moved her body 
but I think it was because she was playing for the foul more than she was playing for the actual shot itself. Cause the sh- shot basically got blocked. It, it went like five feet, um, but she really kind of played it up and she looked at the ref for like a second and the ref said no. And she was like, okay, <laughs> like, she's like, I didn't fool you, but her coach, the coach for SMU was pissed mm-hmm. uh, of course, because you know, you could potentially win the game there. Three free throws. You know, she's over over on the line at that point, but you know, maybe she hits uh two or three or something like that. It's a completely different ball game. But again, a, a really gritty, gritty and actual gritty win by the women's basketball team. You know, they've had some close games this year, but it was close within their control. You know, they kind of just let off the gas for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the Houston game comes to mind. They were up by I think like 15 in the fourth quarter at one point. Mm-hmm. Houston just kind of crawled their way back in, and then it was a five-point victory. So nothing, you know, nothing like that. This is, this was like really like, Oh shit. We like, I was giving up. I was like, I, I think Sammy missed a three, uh, that would have, mm-hmm. you know, brought us within like six. And I was like, yep. All right. We'll, we'll pack it in. We're fine. And we'll, yep. we'll, you know, chalk it up. It's, it's really hard to go undefeated in the conference. It's really hard to go undefeated in any conference. Um, so I just kind of chalked it up, but, uh, ye of little faith, uh, wink, wink didn't believe in us there at the end he was doing low reverse jinx in the discord if you're in it uh again if you follow the twitch we'll get you an invite to the discord and you can watch our banter during game threads and all sorts of things but yeah uh Stig's like nope it's done f <laughs> and then all of a sudden uh they came back and I, I you know it's one of those things when you're when you're not on from three-point land especially a team that wants to be, you need to find another way to win. And they did. And they keep doing this, uh, especially in this, in the conference. Uh, so the only question is a lot of these road games, even Memphis last week came down. I mean, it, they kept them at arm's length, but still it was a closer game than it probably should have been. So is it just fatigue coming down the stretch? Is it just hard to, to win on the road? All of those things can factor into this. So that's why it's, it would be really great for them to be able to host, but I'm not certain that's going to happen. They're currently sitting at 29th in net. So they inched up a little bit. Um, and again, they uh, undefeated at home, only one loss on the road because the other three losses came into neutral site uh, games at tournaments. So uh, it, it's just a very impressive resume to us, but it's hard. It's kind of hard to move up in this conference that isn't turning out to be very good. Uh, but if you were to lose this game, you probably tumble <laughs> and your seed probably tumbles with you. So being able to, yes. g- to get out a win at the end of the day, they're looking at the win loss. So if you're able to get the win, they don't care how it is. If they see the L, they don't care how that part is either. They saw the L and then they'll, they'll hit you for that. Um, again, the big thing they out rebounded their opponent again, 41, 24, and they had 34 points in the paint to SMU's 26. And that was how you can change the game by doing that. Um, yeah, SMU played a really strong game, and now you're starting to get everybody's best chance because they, they want to be able to take down the number one. And uh, last week they were 25 in the AP poll. Now they crept up to 24. So every little bit, every, yep. every little bit is going to help. They uh, finally so, cracked the sorry. They finally cracked the the uh, the athletics uh, mm-hmm. power rankings as well. So they're ranked okay. 25th in the athletics power rankings, which the athletic is is the least objective of all of them. Like they they take true. You know, they, they they do a lot more research than your average bear. Um, yeah. Prime example, uh, Middle Tennessee State was uh, ranked in their power rankings for a good bit there. Um, the the top 20s, Oklahoma, Villanova, Gonzaga, Iowa State, and Colorado. 
Um, and then Creighton, Middle Tennessee State, Baylor, and USC are on the outside looking in. So mm-hmm. uh, a pretty stacked little group to be within there when you consider basketball powerhouses. Um, I just wish that was men's and not women's at times. Yep, <laughs> like yep, yep. That's uh, it, it's a little tough that way. But uh, so USF is 29th in net, um, and they're behind Alabama, who's 24. They're 17 and six. That Alabama team is a team USF beat in Tampa. Uh, I'm actually looking at this. I didn't realize Ohio State is 16th right now, but they have four losses. I like to think the USF tape is how people saw how you can beat them because they should have beat them. They should have beat them. But yeah, so I mean, you look at these top teams, some of the losses from USF this year, Michigan is net 15, Ohio State's net 16. Um, uh, Where is it? I saw them. NC State's net 11. And Villanova's net 14. Those are your four losses. <laughs> All top 15 teams. Like, I'm just saying, like, that's how good this team is. And you and you went toe-to-toe with Ohio State. So right. this team is good. And hopefully they can get a good seed to be able to prove that and not have to play, you know, a, a UConn or a South Carolina or a Stanford or Indiana yeah, I, in, in the second round. Because the, I, that's what kills you. It's like you can be very good. You can be top 15, top 10 good. But if you're going to play a top three team, especially in women's basketball, you're not you who's going to win. So that's hopefully right. they, they get something. Um, I see the joke. Yeah, still get a 16 seed and be against UConn. Yeah, that would be very par for the course. Uh, oh, but course. at least now Jose can say, I own the all-time record for wins in the AAC over Geno. Um, uh, a couple of tidbits. They're on a 12 game winning streak. That's one shy of, of a program record. Uh, sorry, program record. Uh, so they can get that on their next game, which is at home on Sunday versus Houston, who again is very tough defensively. So that's a tough game, uh, but they only play two more road games at C and at Cincinnati. Cincinnati closes the year. So the rest of their harder games uh, versus Houston versus. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yep, uh, it's it's hard not to say program. It's just it just rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah, so their their tough games are at home, and then they just you know don't don't uh, go to Oviedo and lose would be my big my big thing there. Yeah, I think even at this point, it like going undefeated in a in a in a conference slate is very very difficult. Mm-hmm. I would be totally fine losing one game here. Just don't make it that one. Please, <laughs> that that's one where uh, you just can't. Don't lose no, that one. Bury them. Bury yep. them. Win by score hundred. Bury them. Um, based I, how they I play did, at home, I, I don't see them yeah. losing to Cincinnati. But based how they're playing at home, I mean, I'm not sure if it's a crowd situation or just being at home. But like the games are almost night and day. Right. Um, I think because we have a little bit of time, because we we're gonna bully through the rest of this here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have an interesting discussion in the Discord the other day about kind of the the what is to be expected of USF women's basketball scheduling wise and the the elephant in the room is once um Cincinnati Central Florida and Houston leave um you kind of replace them in the women's basketball world with really not great teams um across the board i, I think of those schools that are joining rice is probably the only one that's consistently competitive um mm-hmm. And so it, it becomes difficult because for USF in the past, their kind of sticking point was, you know, they'd schedule tough out of conference. You would basically have to win every single conference game except for UConn. And you would have to play UConn really well 
in order to get any respect out of the committee when once they place you in the in the tournament there. And so, you know, the hope at least uh, whenever we would talk about, you know, USF women's basketball is you go above 500 out of conference. So you go maybe like five and four, maybe six and three on a good year. Um, you know, scheduling teams like Ohio State, Oregon, Stanford, tough teams, Florida State, whoever you can get on the schedule, you book them. You go undefeated in conference minus UConn. So, you know, you automatically add another two losses and then you make the conference championship game and you play against UConn and you lose ceremoniously and you mm-hmm. get your silver medal and everything like that. You kind of end the year with what at that point you'd have uh, six to nine losses, depending on how it is. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just hope and pray that the committee says, oh, okay, they played really well at conference. They played UConn pretty well too. Uh, they took care of business the rest of the way. And, you know, we will seed them accordingly. 16 mm-hmm. seed. Um, but now at this point, at least, you know, Jose's recruiting at a very different level than the rest of the conference. And and the 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 preconceived notion about USF women's basketball now carries its own merit. You're almost kind of not saying we're the new Yukon, but you're almost like the new Yukon and the American. Occasionally you'll get a team that, you know, really punches above their weight, but they're a diamond dozen. And, and then they're basically a one season wonder at that point. And then, you know, the coach is usually going to be gone, but you know, for whatever reason, Jose loves this program, loves this state and has decided to stick around. So, you know, scheduling wise and mm-hmm. how they can control this going forward is continue to schedule tough out of conference you know, no, there's there's no such thing as bad losses in those out of conference games anymore. Because evidently, if you win twenty conference games and you win the conference tournament, you're going to make the NCAA tournament anyways. It's just at, at this point, you're you're talking marginal differences between getting a six seed and getting a nine seed at this point. Like yeah, this really season not will tell. This season will tell a lot because you'll be able to see if. I mean, I, I it, there's a lot of games to be played. If you're able to get the double, I'm not even going to say if you get a loss here or not, then you're going to be able to see where you're at compared to years past where you are, that 8-9 threshold seed. Can they jump to a 6? Can they get a 5 maybe? Um, some um, predictions have them at 6, but that's saying they run the table here, and that's very hard to do. But I mean, right. if you look at this with the net ratings, I mean, the next closest AAC team is Houston at 79. And you have a kind of a muddle in uh, between there, SMU 88, Tulsa 89, Tulane 91, and then Rice is 95, ECU 97. So, with you know, you take USF out of the equation, and that's kind of where the American is. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, on the men's side, Houston is cl- the clear number one team and also a clear number one team in the nation. So, it hurts them having to play all these teams that are sub sub 150. So it's it's kind of the same here. The conference isn't going to help you any if you get the wins. The losses are really going to hurt you. But how difficult or how different is it when you say you played four games? The four losses are to top 10 teams in net or top 15 teams in net. Is that going to help move the needle? If not, that's kind of where you're at. And that'll be uh, very interesting. But I mean, blessed to have Jose stick around. And, and the way that he recruits is just very... Uh, he's he, he's able to get international players. He's able to get a, a trend now at this point transfers in to, to be able to play together. And this is the, probably one of the best teams I've seen, especially since uh, probably since um, Courtney Williams days, like the, like mm-hmm. and they, they can beat you in, in numerous different ways. So we're going to see how the seating ends up working out, but they just got to take care of business and not look at the the number next to their name and not look at anything else. Just keep going. Right. They, they, they can make a deep run here. They're like, it's a, it's a very capable USF team. If, if, if all goes according to plan and all goes well, they should be able to make a deep run here. And I, I think the only other thing they can do is 
hey, if you <laughs> if you win, you know, all of your out of conference games, you know, I, I'd almost dare to say let's experiment and see if you just schedule cupcake for you know nine games and you run the table and you go what thirty three and 35 and yeah, what, ha- what happens at that point? Yeah, what happened? What is the committee forced to kind of put respect on your name, or are they going to kind of say, "Oh, you know, you're playing no ones"? But just just a side tangent there, because I think it is fascinating how poor the AP voters have been towards uh, women's basketball in years past, and how bad it's been this year as well. I mean, there there are instances where yes, you can have um, you know mid major biases and everything like that, but you know, when USF is on a 12 game win streak and they're just barely scratching the surface on the AP top 25 and, you know, Iowa state loses three games out of their last six and they're still ranked ahead. It's like, all right. Like I I understand, you know, Iowa state is having to play, you know, Caitlin Clark and Ohio state and a few other good programs and everything like that. But, you know, who's to say that, that they're just, kind of muddling along at this point you can't you you, if you're going to penalize a mid-major team harshly for losing you need to also penalize the major teams for losing as well maybe not to the same severity like if they lose if if iowa lose if iowa state loses to like ohio state like yeah don't penalize them by dropping them out of the top 25 but if they lose to Nebraska, like, fuck yeah, drop them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Uh, I see Oregon and Tennessee are net 18 and 19, and they have nine and eight losses respectively. I mean, you can analyze that and say, okay, who are they losing to? But nine and eight losses, I mean, I know net's kind of, it, you know, it doesn't take that into, it take, takes your wins versus what your quality losses are and puts it into its strength schedule. But like, whoa, man, at some point, like the wins and losses do have to matter. And eventually they will. So it's like, you just got to take care of business, do your thing um, and, and get in at that point. But uh, at this, uh, I just keep saying it. This is a fun team to watch. Very impressive. Jose always does it. Congratulations on uh, getting the all-time record for the AC. I know Gino hasn't been here for a while, but it, you finally have that. You can hang your hat on that. And before these programs leave and before the new programs in, you can put that crown on say the the king of a king of the aac when it comes to wins so let's uh let's continue this this will be fun to see so again they're at home against houston on sunday so they were dealing with any nagging injuries you have you have about a week to uh be able to work with that and uh let's wrap up the end of the season so looking forward to that yeah sorry i i just looked at the lightning score they're losing like seven to one yeah don't yeah just yeah just turn that off it got it got yeah. real bad once we started streaming <laughs> oh yeah um uh yeah, so, so i will say i on. am cerveza god uh this is actually brought up uh seth varner brought that up just as kind of like a, a question uh and i'm not we'll have to bring uh colin again on here to talk more about this but generally on the international side the men end up playing uh going pro kind of like how luca did and that's kind of, and then they end up getting drafted. So I think that's part of it. Where uh, on, on the women's side, it, it's there's more of a uh, come to the states and play at the college level before going to the WNBA or playing internationally. Um, which is, I mean, it, it, it's great on their end because then they get uh, these pr- uh, players that have just a ton of experience playing in all the uh, national tournaments so uh, i believe that's part of it colin will be able to say more about that but yeah so brian gregory couldn't attempt to to do that route because for the most part they're going pro 
Hell yeah. They're doing it. Um, they already mentioned uh, game against Houston coming up uh, at home and then against Tulsa. I should really pull up the schedule. I have it right next to me, too. I got you covered. It's in one of these tabs. Where is it? Full schedule. Yeah, I just saw that Houston because that's next week at this point. Um, yeah, they got a lot of time off. Yeah, so there's a lot of weird. This stuff is one of those. Happening. It's like men's basketball. They played last Wednesday, and then they don't play till this Wednesday. So every once in a while, you get that week. Uh, so they play. Yeah, uh, Sunday the twelfth, and then turn around and go to Oviedo on Wednesday, the fifteenth. Nice. Which is the day after oh, yeah. Valentine. That that's fun. And then that Saturday, SMU. Yeah, so it's it's Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, SMU. Then the following Wednesday, Tulsa. Then they have a week before they go to Cincinnati. So uh, this next four game stretch is actually within about two weeks. So this is my favorite time of the year whenever we would normally do the roundup because I look at the schedule and I see a bunch of plus marks on the composite schedule, which tells yeah. me, oh, yeah, we're in softball and track season now. <laughs> mm, there's just a lot of stuff. Oh, no, hey, look, there's a sailing regatta or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you always get surprised. And it's like this. Uh, this Sunday, uh, the twelfth, there's one, two, three, four, five events going on. Mm. So, hey, that's fun. It's, um, it's exciting. Uh, the AAC tournament starts March six. It's in Fort Worth. We were hoping that would be in Florida, but it is in Fort Worth. So exciting stupid. stuff. Stupid. Put it in a better city. Put it in like New Orleans. I don't care. Just yeah. Give Tulane the home field advantage. I don't give a shit. Put yep. it in a fun. Put those in a fun city. Yes, more like Fort Worst. Got him. Yes. Just um, outstanding. Outstanding, <laughs> gentlemen. Uh, let's let's. I'll, I'll take men's tennis here. Okay. Uh, we won't we won't beat around the bush. Uh, they went up to Tennessee and they got their asses kicked. Let me tell you something. Um, they'll have to they'll have the great volunteer state with two losses. Uh, they lost seven nothing to Middle Tennessee State on Friday. It was past Friday. And then they lost to Memphis uh, this past uh, Saturday. So two pretty quick handed back-to-back losses like that. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, not a very bad tennis program by any stretch of the imagination this year. Uh, I think they're actually ranked top 20 there. They put together a pretty good uh, roster here. Um, so surprisingly, no surprise that they got swept the way that they did. Um, As friend the doubles, of the pod... Uh, Senator yeah. Giggity said, uh, yeah, there's not much to do in Murfreesboro, so uh, they're just really good at tennis. There you go. Correct. Um, so doubles point came down to the third court, um, so at least they kind of kept it close uh, there. But other than that, um, just a whole lot of nothings that happened on that Friday night. Um, can't really speak to, to much there, and it looks like they're still kind of working out the kinks. But again, tennis is one of those really weird sports that you can – you know, start off the year like oh and six, go on like a three game tear, and then the ATP is going to rank you like top sixty for like no reason. Um, so nothing to worry about. Ashley Fisher is one of those coaches that we don't we don't tend to worry about too much around here. Um, they know what they're doing. Uh, they've got enough pieces. They've got enough talent on their roster that you know this just kind of figuring out um, you know how to pair these guys up because it's a lot like chess in the sense that you know your best guy might be right handed and their best guy might be left handed and that does not pair well. Uh, for singles, but it might pair better for doubles, and there's a lot of factors that go on there. Uh, yeah. And then, and then that Memphis loss, uh, they lost six to one. Um, Alvin uh, won in straight sets. Other than that, um, everyone else kind of got swept. Eric Gravelius, uh won his or got uh, won his second set to bring that to a third. 
But other than that, not much competition there. Uh, again, kind of left between the tail between the legs there. Uh, we'll add that Alvin, because uh, we mentioned this last time. So he is a player that is ranked. He's ranked number 67. Uh, so he did get a victory over the over the weekend against Memphis. Didn't get one against uh, MTSU. So we'll see if that drops him. Specific, maybe hopefully just two spots. Maybe he'll just drop two spots. If, hopefully. I hope so. Get if he does. Donating to Alvin. Alvin's NIL fund. Actually, is he foreign? I can't remember. Is he from another country? Um, uh, before we before we get to your segment here, Anthony. Oh, geez, Mr. Vito, I need to I need to get this off my chest for like the next twenty five seconds here. Oh, no. um, I really hope, and I I don't have a lot of faith at times for um, you know state government and everything like that, but I really hope at some point um, state, local, and federal government can come together and figure out this NIL stuff for uh, foreign athletes. Because it is an absolute travesty that foreign-born players cannot uh, cash in on NIL deals or opportunities. Um, really stupid loopholes exist mm-hmm. within this country, and then being on and you know these students being on student visas does not allow them to be employees or um, profit off of set employees like that for state government uh, officials and universities. So, do you for you know women's basketball? You know, the only two players that can really cash in on NIL opportunities at this time are Sammy Puisis and Bria Alvarez. And Bria Alvarez barely qualifies because she's, you know, dual citizen with Columbia. Um, Marissa Team, you know, Elena Shinecki, Dulce, um, Carla Brita, none of them. None of them can get NIL opportunities. None of them can get NIL deals. Um, it's a shame. It's unfortunate. They need to figure that out. Uh, and yes, our uh, Alvin is from Canada. That's what I thought. Um, fact, uh, fast fact, uh, Puerto Rico can get NIL deals and opportunities. We have a cat bomb cat bomb. I thought, I don't know what that was for a second. I thought it was a, ch- I thought you were about to eat like a chicken nugget. I thought you were just like bringing it up here. <laughs> the fluffiest just, chicken nugget. Just like watch me eat on stream. <laughs> right. Uh, Vito, where's, uh, where's Ben and heading after? Okay. So they do a trip to New York. They head to Ithaca to play Cornell on Friday and then, uh, uh, head down to the city to play Columbia on Sunday, but they have an off day on Saturday and we're going to try to figure it out. They probably are getting tickets to see Hades town or maybe six, right? You got to see a Broadway show when you're in New York city for a night, especially on Saturday. You have two opportunities. You can go to the matinee, which is always a good time, or you can go to the night show, which is very expensive, but fun. <laughs> yes. And the night show is uh, where all the party happens, too. Yep. Um, Stieg is no stranger to Broadway, as he saw Beetlejuice, which is now closed, in one of its rip. final shows. Yeah, it was a fantastic, the Marquis Theater there, um, or Marquise, I don't remember which one it's called. Um, but my my, I have season tickets for USF football. Uh, that has not paid its dividends. I have season tickets to the Strauss. That's paid its dividends. Uh, it's fantastic. I really, I might uh, message um, Coach Moros and see if what they're doing, because uh, just out of curiosity, I'm curious if they're going to do anything, or not Moros, uh, Coach Fisher, see if they're doing anything while they're up there. Um, they could also, you know, be straight tourists and go to like Cat's Delicatessen or something like that, which I'm sure they're going to do more sightseeing than anything else, but um, I think that's a, that's fun. That's a great opportunity uh, for them to play two Ivy League tennis programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't keep tabs of Ivy League tennis, um, that's essentially the SEC football of men's tennis. So 
we'll see what happens when they play Cornell and Columbia. Um, country club schools are good at country club sports. <laughs> and they are country club, let me tell you something. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so th- so that'll be fun. So we'll see if they can turn turn around and do a uh, have a better weekend up in New York. So now we're going to switch gears to women's tennis. Uh, last week, they lost to Florida. This week, they only had one game, and they beat FAMU 7 to nothing, which is very good. How good Hell is that, Steve? Yeah. Like, just go, going Pretty undefeated. Uh, sometimes in these, uh, you don't uh, – they'll let some of these courts play out. So they won uh, – every all their victories were in straight sets, including the doubles, which they let the third court play out. Sometimes they don't do that. Sometimes if, if – the second court or both courts are decided. You don't need a third court. They'll just go ahead and suspend it. Sometimes they let it play out. I don't know the official rules to that. I would love for any of the coaches or assistant coaches or anyone who played or uh, understands collegiate tennis a little more than I, why that is the case sometimes. If that's just a, uh, both programs only playing one game. So might as well, or I'm oh, sorry, one match. There wasn't that many, uh, games to be one in the set. I, I'm always curious about that because sometimes you see that and you go, oh, this wasn't suspended. Those, those, those other were. That to me would, you know, cause, uh, you know, you're not playing as much over the course of the year if you do that. So uh, again, they right. played them all. Uh, Sierra Barry and Ireland Sim won six to one on their doubles match, which is incredible. Uh, and then uh, Walsh won her first set in singles, six to nothing, which is good. Like if you Pretty lose good. zero to six, it's just like, what am I doing? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, pants over there. Um, tennis is hard. No, like, yeah, I keep watching people play tennis professionally. Like my dad played tennis, and it, I mean his knees can't do it anymore. But it's it's hard because not only are you running everywhere, you also need to be able to hit the ball like correctly, and then in the lines, and then also with speed, right? And then some deception because like, you do like slices. I played Mario tennis a lot as a kid, so I understand like some of the slices. My dad would call it the Brooklyn slice, and I, I, I literally was like, "Oh, that's really funny. That's a really cool tactic." And I, I was like, "No, all it's just a slice." Just. Would, Everybody calls it whatever they want. So, uh, yeah. I will say, um, to, to answer your question, uh, it is actually a, a coach's decision to mm-hmm. if they're going to play full uh, the full sets or if they're just going to you know play uh, play until a victory is, victory is decided. Um, usually, for in this instance, um, because USF has only played two matches uh, thus far, and they're probably just needing the practice, um, so they might as well let these girls play out. Because they got, you know, their their shit kicked in by Florida, so it might be a little bit better for them to just go ahead and play the full sets. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of different factors that go into it. Whether, um, you know, mm-hmm. the lights, if they if they want to deal with, um, you know, a little bit of darkness, because there is quite a difference between playing under the lights versus playing like in the day. Um, the game just, I mean, the match took place during the day, so that wasn't an issue and. You know, USF needed the practice. Uh, Florida AM also probably could use the practice because they're 0 and 6 right now. Uh, so I'm sure Ugh. they could have needed it. Um, but uh, winning in straight sets, uh, wire to wire victories always are good, uh, regardless of who you are playing. So great uh, little victory for uh, women's tennis there. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Uh, that was their only match this weekend. Uh, so next up, they have a doubleheader. They'll play at FAU on Saturday and at FGCU on Sunday. So they go to the other coast to play uh, some in-state talent. So it'll be interesting to see how they do there. Um, again, they have a lot of really talented freshmen from last year and sophomores. Uh, so we're looking forward to seeing what the women can do the rest of the season. So That's such a weird road trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. 
I, I would think that they would just have them both come here instead or, or have all three play in one place instead of, I, I don't know. That's weird. Go um, long way. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So. Luckily, it's on two, two separate days. So, yeah. I think they could would, theoretically do that on one day, by the way. That would be a fun embed to talk tennis with like Coach Fisher or uh, talk to the women's golf co- or women's tennis coach to just like ask how some of these because like in softball, you know that some of these tournaments are there. It's northern teams coming coming down to, down to the south to, to play. Uh, but it would be really neat to, to see how some of these, like going to Murfreesboro to play Memphis and MTSU and not having to go to two different locations, going to New York to, to knock these out, like how that scheduling happens. That would be a really fun thing to do. We're going to we're gonna write that down in the docket and see if anyone will talk to us. <laughs> Please talk to us. We're bored. I've got um, plans that I'm like, hey, it just I'm just going to like, you know, slide into the DMs and be like, hey, in the offseason, can you do this? I'm sure. I'm sure they would love that. Um, get a little, get a little spotlight shine on the program. Um, women's golf uh, has, is in the middle of a uh, invitational as we are doing this. So um, they had the first two rounds today at the FAU Paradise Invitational. By the way, um, another tangent for Steve here. Um, FAU really leaning in this Paradise thing is really good marketing, but is just inherently false. Like Boca Raton is not paradise. It's fine. I've it's, never been to Boca. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry. It's I've a been to perfectly West Palm Beach. fine. Yeah. It, it's perfectly fine. Like th- let's just, let's call a spade a spade. Anything that's on the Southern end of the coast. So like from like Coco down and then from like, I can't even think what's north of Tampa at this point because I'm brain dead. Um, but like the 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 Clearwater Beach is on down that lower tip of Florida. All of it is paradise. All of it is beautiful. Every single one of those little towns has something to offer. Fishing villages, whatever it needs to be. But Boca Raton is just like fine as as a, as a town as a as a college town as what whatever you want to call it. Um, kudos to them for leaning into this paradise model of winning in paradise, playing in paradise, yada, yada, yada. Their campus is located four and a half miles from the beach or something like that. They're not even the closest beach college in the state of Florida in their own division at times. Um, shout out Florida Gulf Coast, who has uh, like half their campus on the beach, um, formerly known as USF. <laughs> um, but yeah, just. Worst loss ever. It. I hate it. Um, but no, back to them for a second. Uh, so women's golf um, finished the day. They are currently in third place at the FAU Paradise Invitational. Uh, they're nine under par. Vanderbilt, who I believe is in the top 10, uh, maybe top 15, is sitting in first at 22 under par. They have a really, really healthy lead over second place Nebraska at 10 under par. So, um, you know, the Commodores... Country club schools being good at country club things. Who would have thought that would have happened? Um, they were leading for a good bit there. Melanie Green, who this sensational uh, golfer we have, um, came out really hot. I think she birdied her first three holes or something like that. Just absolutely on fire. Um, she's still playing really well. She's tied third right now at six under. Um, she's actually tied with teammate Elise Vidal um, at six under. So both of them in the top four, top three. Top four. Top four. Yeah, they're both they're in the top four. I don't know how those are categorized. 
Vito, tell me. I think I you got it help. right. I don't know. <laughs> they're tied third. <laughs> they're they're in the top four though. Um, yeah. And then elsewhere, you go, um, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, it, there's four, so they're top four. But there there's three. If two are tied at well, three, then the next one's five. Yes. Yes. Um, elsewhere, Laura Henlin is at two under. Uh, Lenora Madero is at one over. Uh, Juliana Camargo is at five over. And then Emma Kim is at six over. Um, I thought about using Emma's full name, but I'm not even going to try it. Um, she has a very, I mean, like, uh, it took me a while to get um, Dulcie's name right, and I still mess it up half the time. Um, I would not be able to get Emma's name. So I'm glad she goes by Emma. Um, so they have the they have the third round. I I do a lot of research on these people's names. Uh, third round tees off at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, so we'll see if they can maintain a podium here. Uh, maybe Melody Green can go on a little bit of run, or Zelly, um, or Lizzie. So we'll see what happens there. But a good start for women's golf. Um, I believe today was a actually a program record for them as well. Um, I completely did not even add that to the notes, even though I said that I was going to. Um, two seconds. What was it? They, uh, yep, the opening round of 277 set a new program record. Um, and the 36 hole of 567 ranked third all time. So that 277 is an 18-hole record for women's golf at the University of Florida. Great stuff there. And, and that's incredible. Uh, they were saying women's golf at the uprising uh, where women's golf was starting to really arise. And I, I think they were, uh, th- this should be a very good season for them. I mean, Melanie, Melanie green already has uh, a bunch of accolades. So we're, we're really looking forward to what women's golf can do. Hell yeah. Um, I'll let you take softball since I'll, I'll do the track and field rundown today. Okay. Um, track and field. Very impressive. So softball starts this week. I can't believe it's already that time. It's February. And now we get to see what coach Ken's team can do. Uh, so that starts with week versus Michigan on February 9th. And I feel like every year they play Michigan every year. Michigan's really, really good. And every year it's been a dog fight. Um, Boston college and Boston university on February 10th and Florida on the, on February 12th. So Again, they always start out really, really tough with a opening, uh, with a few opening tournaments. So this is a very tough slate. So we don't have Georgina Cork anymore. So new pitchers have to replace some offense. It might be a tough start, but you can't take too much away from this first weekend. So we'll see what ends up happening here. But yeah, it it it, it might be tough. Um, we got to see uh, what the uh, softball roster can do starting off this weekend. All right. We got to retool a lot of uh, talent there. Um, Yeah. Like Vito said, can't take too much uh, of these early season matchups. It's a lot of teams feeling out each other and feeling out their own roster as well. Um, You know, both good, bad and ugly. So, you know, the, the ugly losses maybe may look ugly, but thank God that, you know, women's softball has mercy rules and whatnot. You usually don't get, you know, too much of wasted effort or wasted bats or anything like that. Um, or wasted arms, uh, particularly. I don't. I don't think that they're pretty much. Uh, knowing what I would know about Ken Erickson, I think they're probably going to use these first uh, couple weeks here to really just kind of figure out that ace, figure out that two, and figure out that three. That's mm-hmm. been something that he's been missing for a long time. Is that third 
uh, pitcher to get a good rotation going. Um, obviously, we have Georgie Nikorik. You know, you always have uh, consistency there. You can uh, play but, a bunch you know, of innings. <laughs> it's just right. So it's 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 all about finding that balance and, and finding some bats this year. Um, Georgina Cork is a graduate uh, assistant coach for USF as well. So that's cool. Um, hopefully she can rub off some good luck on uh, the team this year. Excellent. Excellent all around. Um, all these games are at home. So go ahead and check out the softball complex to see uh, Michigan's receiving votes. Uh, but it'll be a tough slate. And then February 12th, softball play Florida, who's t- uh, number four in the country. So that's going to be, be a, tough a fun game first week. But we move on. Stieg, you said you want to do a track and field rundown. Let's talk about some more success. Ooh. All right. Uh, I'll do, I'll do, I'll hit up day one here. We go from Coach Erickson to Coach Eric. Yes. I I will forever mess them up and I should never mess them up. Um, so uh track and field competed at the uh the Harvard Crimson Elite and the Bruce Lehane Scarlet and White Invitational up in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, this is a very well-known event in the track and field circuit, and it would, was filled with a uh, top-level competition as well. And USF did extremely well in a lot of events. Um, the aforementioned program records that were beat, um, starting with Saquon Lincoln. Uh, yeah, Saquon Lincoln. <laughs> I'm off to a great start. Um, broke a uh, program record uh, for a 60-meter dash. Um, finished third. And I, Ashley, finished fourth in the triple jump. Remain Beckford, of course, first in the high jump. Um, Again, that's his third first place finish. Yeah, he's <laughs> as many he's weeks. On a fucking tear right Jeez. now. I love that man. Uh, David Ajama and Kendall Mosley, not to be uh, you know mistaken or anything like that, finished fourth and fifth respectively in the high jump as well. Um, David Ajama first in the triple jump, uh, won that competition. Uh, Kobe Babin. Uh, Got a personal best, but uh, second place in the pole vote. Stone Baker finished fifth in the pole vote as well. Audrey Werfel and Riley Hunt finished sixth in the pole vote. Pole vaults, they tied together in the women's. Uh, Arden LaRose won the women's mile, and she got a personal best. Hey, look nice. at that long distance running. Nice. Uh, what was her time? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious on this. I'm going to take the take the 25 seconds of, is to look this up. Uh, she ran a four minute, 58 second mile. I did mine in about eight minutes and 29 seconds. So <laughs> four uh, she went so absurd. <laughs> she, oh she my, went gosh. Me. Um, my goodness gracious. Um, so yeah, she, uh, she got a personal best there as well. So that's fantastic. Um, Cora, Cora Coolidge and Alyssa Wyatt finished fourth and sixth respectively in the women's mile. Naya Robinson won the women's long jump. So that's fantastic. Shania Benjamin and Kendall McDonald finished third and seventh, respectively. Chanelix Davila won the 60-meter hurdles. Uh, Madeline Abega finished sixth in the same competition. Michael Borden the third and Victor Steiner finished sixth and fifth in 60-meter hurdles. Why the fuck did I write it like that? Um <laughs> Why did I write sixth and fifth? Um, and then Zaria Allers Levert finished second in the women's 400 meters. So uh, a good mixture of track, uh, or excuse me, field uh, competitions going extremely well for USF and the track competitions also going well. A lot of personal bests, a lot of uh, podium finishes all throughout it. Vito, day two, the better day. Day two was a good day. Uh, Shania Benjamin, uh, 
in the 200 meters, finished second and got fifth all time in program history. Uh, she is rewriting the record books virtually every year. Sneak Walker placed fourth in women's 500. Uh, Kendall Mosley won the men's high jump. So that's another victory. Noah uh, Bitter, third in pole vault for another pole vault um, podium finish. Kendall Mosley won the men's high jump. Uh, I already said that. <laughs> Annalise Zinneman, third third for another uh, in the pole vault for another podium finish. Arden LaRose set a new program record in the women's 1,000-meter run. I almost said mile, which would have been absurd, but 1,000-meter run. Excellent. And I, I find that there's a theme in the past two years, how much we, we say personal best and program record um, for most of these. I, I almost want to look at that record book and see how much are in the Eric Jenkins um, era. Yeah, we are, we, we are a pole vaulting school. We're really good at jumping very high, apparently. High jump, triple jump, pole vault. Well, triple jump is forward. Distance. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, you had to get high yeah. to do that. Exactly. Good at jumping. We'll put it that way. There we go. Uh, Shavoy Reed, program record in the men's 400 meter. Janaya Burton, program record, women's 400 meter. So again, this this medium running, they're still very, very, very good at. And again, breaking program records consistently, getting first place finishes. This wasn't happening four years ago. <laughs> uh, the men's 4x400 relay won and broke a program record. That's uh, Shavoy Reed, Dwayne O'Bannon, Michael Bourne third, and Elijah Wright. And the women's 4x400 relay got second, but they broke a program record. That's Janiah Burton, Shania Benjamin, Denisha Anderson, and Zaria Ehlers. Uh, Libbard. We'll have to figure out how to say that one specifically because I feel bad but- butchering a lot of people's names. Um, <laughs> what's that little last note I just put down there, Stieg? After all that, <laughs> he wrote Jesus Christ. <laughs> just wow. I mean, day two, mostly all podium finishes and a lot of program records. This is just incredible. They keep getting better every year, and they're bringing in good talent. So the coach Jenkins again, just. Uh, kudos hats off it's just it, really great to see what they're doing uh, let's see what they can continue to do and i mean um romaine beckford first in the high jump again he is just he is killing it right now he's i i think he's still in like the top six or seven overall of uh this season for high jump mm. um i don't I, I think he's still in the top six or seven so um yeah he's he's still crushing it there he he will most likely easily qualify for um, the uh, NCAA championship series there. Um, there. There's a lot of athletes this year from track and field that might be able to get there. Um, that women's four by 400. Uh, yes, they play second, but they're, they're consistently getting better every single week. Um, mm-hmm. Shania Benjamin is, is an absurd athlete. And I think now they have a good four by 400 here. Uh, the men's as well has been just on fire. So um you know, they, they also just had signing day as well. So that they signed like, I think seven or eight more athletes um, alone in this national signing day period. So they're also uh, benefiting from uh, just a resurgence of this program. So mm-hmm. even going through their roster, I, I remember from years past, they did not have a roster this deep full of athletes prior. Um, you know, they, there's weird scholarship limitations and minimums that, you know, track and field has to hit. Um they're 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 doing really well and they're still a young team too which is the weird part um mm-hmm. there's a lot of freshmen sophomore on the roster you know of course you know Romain Beckford is is going to be a senior this year but 
I mean, the rest of the roster is basically <laughs> freshman or sophomore at this point. Yeah. And we're going to do a thing at the end of the season, uh, maybe in the middle of the season, depending on where we get. I, I just want to see the, the record book and see how many top five are in the Eric Jenkins um, era, because it's got to be a lot. We keep seeing that word around. They keep having to make new graphics. Um, so looking forward to seeing how the rest of their season goes, but they just keep getting better every year. Don't and the four by 400, the women's especially, um, they would rotate out teams and still consistently compete at the higher end and podium, um, get podium finishes and break records. So the fact that they have the athletes to be able to do that is great. Um, but yeah, so up next, they do the Badgers Windy City invite in Chicago on February 10th. It's going to be cold. Hell yeah. Hopefully it's mostly indoor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think these are all indoor track and field events right now, um, yeah. which is cool. Um, we did not decide our Bellas and Fellas before this. I like it when it's a surprise. Um, I will go first. Uh, so I want to make my Bella someone different. I'm going to say Shania Benjamin just podiumed in, in uh, two different um, two different events and, and just continuously breaking records. So uh, I, I like what she's done the past couple of years and looking forward to what she does uh, later on. And I also just didn't want to do basketball again. So there you go. Shania Benjamin. How about that? My Bella um, of the week. I'm going to, I'm going to show for uh, Tyler Harris is my, is the fella of the week. I, I, you, I mean, we've got the track field all season. Mermaid Beckford being as ridiculous as he is. Um, but credit where credit is due. Like I said last week, uh, when USF men's basketball loses, they get punished, um, and I will not <laughs> acknowledge them. But when they win, I will acknowledge. Uh, Tyler Harris, 21 points, uh, just an absolute gem of a human being that was brought in by Brian Gregory and his staff. Um, he has turned some would-be losses and victories just on his three-point shooting alone. Um, so he uh, he deserves the credit for some of these victories as well. Um, so we're going to go with him for my, my fellow of the week, I should say. Excellent. I think this is a, a very good segment that we do. So we're an hour and six. One of these days we'll do a tight 45 like we plan on doing, but that day was not today. It's not going to happen anytime soon with the new schedule coming up. <laughs> There's so much going on. We'll have to figure out how we do this. It's going to be rapid fire. Try to get everybody um, everybody in there. Uh, what the heck? I'll say it. Wizards correct. We have a USF uh, uh, USF Hockey Club has their final home game of the season, 8.15 p.m. on Saturday. They play Embry-Riddle. If you've seen their Twitter account, sometimes at the double check, it's like they're just beating teams like Miami 10 to nothing. I don't even know how you score 10 goals in hockey. That's very hard. Big fan of our Florida USF almost did that club. tonight. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So come out, final game of the season, uh, the Avent Health Ice Rink. Uh, I, I'm, I've been to two of them. <laughs> um it's it, it's a good old fun time uh it's it's fun to watch hockey it's just always fun to watch hockey big fan and i definitely want a hockey sweater but okay steve get us out of here any last bits uh take care brush your hair that is very good words to live by um go see a show go have some fun go support the basketball teams and uh that is it for Stieg and Vito to all the Baluma fellas and Baluma Bellas out there. See ya.